Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. like to thank our listeners. If you enjoy our show, please be sure to subscribe and also share it with a friend. The snoozecast is meant to be played as you get into bed. As a result, the best place to listen to us is on our website, snoozecast.com. From there, you'll be able to download or play single episodes without having to change any autoplay settings on your device or in your podcast directory. This episode is brought to you by A Foggy Forest Valley. Tonight, I'll be reading an excerpt from The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain, originally published in 1881. The Prince and the Pauper was Twain's first attempt at historical fiction. In the novel, two boys identical in appearance exchange identities. Although written for children, The Prince and the Pauper is a critique of social inequality and has been adapted for the screen and television a number of times. Get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. The Prince and the Pauper, Chapter One. The Birth of the Prince and the Pauper In the ancient city of London, on a certain autumn day in the second quarter of the 16th century, a boy was born to a poor family of the name of Canty, who did not want him. On the same day, another English child was born to a rich family of the name of Tudor, who did want him. All England wanted him too, 
England had so longed for him, and hoped for him, and prayed God for him, that now that he has really come, the people went nearly mad for joy. Mere acquaintances hugged and kissed each other and cried. Everybody took a holiday, and high and low, rich and poor, feasted and danced and sang, and got very mellow. And they kept this up for days and nights together. By day, London was a sight to see, with gay banners waving from every balcony and housetop, and splendid pageants marching along. By night, it was again a sight to see, with its great bonfires at every corner, and its troops of revelers making merry around them. There was no talk in all England but of the new baby, Edward Tudor, Prince of Wales, who lay lapped in silks and satins, unconscious of all this fuss, and not knowing that great lords and ladies were tending him and watching over him, and not caring either. But there was no talk about the other baby, Tom Canty, lapped in his poor rags, except among the family of paupers whom he had just come to trouble with his presence. Chapter 2 Tom's Early Life Let us skip a number of years. London was 1,500 years old and was a great town. For that day, it had a 100,000 inhabitants, something double as many. The streets were very narrow and crooked and dirty, especially in the part where Tom Canty lived, which was not far from London Bridge. The houses were of wood, with the second story projecting over the first, and the third sticking its elbows out beyond the second. The higher the houses grew, the broader they grew. They were skeletons of strong crisscross beams, with solid material between, coated with plaster. The beams were painted red, or blue, or black, according to the owner's taste, and this gave the houses a very picturesque look. The windows were small, glazed with little diamond-shaped panes, and they opened outward on hinges, like doors. The house which Tom's father lived in was up a foul little pocket called Awful Court, out of Pudding Lane. It was small, decayed, and rickety, but it was packed full of wretchedly poor families. Canty's tribe occupied a room on the third floor. The mother and father had a sort of bedstead in the corner, but Tom, his grandmother, and his two sisters, Bet and Nan, were not restricted. They had all the floor to themselves, and might sleep where they chose. There were the remains of a blanket or two, and some bundles of ancient and dirty straw, but these could not rightly be called beds, for they were not organized. They were kicked into a general pile, mornings and selections made from the mass at night.